This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Cause we're gonna be Hello everyone and welcome to the very first episode of the Producing Positivity Show. Show. <laughs> How are you? I'm great. I'm really cool. Uh, can't really believe we are here. But at the same time, I do believe we are here because I believe everyone is capable of pretty much everything. Uh, and it's one of the things that you, you preach, if we may use this word. Uh, which is amazing. So I already, especially, and I apologize for jumping yeah. in so early in your well, first podcast. Especially, especially when people are self-aware. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I do think people are capable of dramatically more than they expect. Yeah. But you know, there's you know, listen, I could be a dramatically be- bigger and better singer than mm-hmm. I am right now, which is zero. But there's also a very fine line of extending yourself and then bleeding into delusion. There, there is no scenario where I'm gonna be Frank Sinatra or Beyonce. Yeah. And so I think one of the things that I worry about, especially in my field of entrepreneurship, do I think that most people can replicate their salary at a job that they hate by starting an online business and over a seven year period mm-hmm. make the same amount of money talking about or producing content or selling things around skiing yeah. or jam making or shoes than they did as being a miserable clerk at a retail store? Yes, I do. Yeah. Do I think most people are capable of making a million dollars a year running a business? No, I do not. And I think that's in a very, mm-hmm. it's a, where I think these debates become too black and white and some people are like, oh, it's just about mindset and positivity and you can do it and everybody's a hater and a troll or the reverse where people are like, all these people are full Mm -hmm. of shit, they're selling them bullshit and snake oil. The reason that is and the reason I wrote Crush It, if you ever really, really read it, I believe in passion and optimism and pushing yourself but I disproportionately believe in practicality, patience Mm -hmm. and hard work too and they seem to be at odds with each other. Exactly. Like, cool, you're about to tell stories of raising your hand, D-Rock, we choose, you You filmed me, it blew you up, this, that, the other thing. But it also, you persevered, you you worked very hard, you you got a lot of no's. Uh, I don't even remember. Opportunity met preparation, do you believe in that? Uh, of course, preparation, look, preparation, you know what's funny? Opportunity meets preparation, that's something a lot of people talk about. I'll tell you what, what I believe in. I believe that there's so much fucking opportunity at all times that it's actually preparation. Hmm. Everybody who's fucking prepared finds their opportunity. Yeah. So, so sure, I believe in it, but here's what I actually believe in. Opportunity is abundant. Mm-hmm. We live in a world that has unlimited opportunity, especially if you're willing to look for it. Mm-hmm. Looking for it is predicated on the fact that you put in the work. You put in the work because you knew that you were gonna go look for it. Mm-hmm. So I believe in preparation, preparation, preparation because I just believe that opportunity is yeah. almost like oxygen. It's everywhere, always, and some opportunities are bigger than others, but preparation, man, people don't do, people convince themselves before they start that the world is unjust or they can't or things are fucked up. They complain, they dwell, they say no before they say yes. And of course, look, if you say no, <laughs> it's already over. Like literally if you wake up and say, it's not gonna happen for me, <laughs> it's already over, you, you might as well not try. Exactly. 
And, you know, the reason I, I started this way and I went there because currently we are in Warsaw, Poland, mm -hmm. uh, just before you go on the main stage and deliver your keynote. Yeah. And, and again, what connects us, especially here, yes. is that you were born in Belarus. That's right. Um, if we may say that we have your, your mom here yes. with us, and uh, she kindly you know, came over just to see the, this area for a little bit. Yes. And uh, I'm from Poland. I moved to the UK like 10 years ago. So yes. we have kind of similar story. Yes. Uh, why I um, said that opportunity meets preparation, and if, if you believe it and how, is that I've... I've got so many questions and and uh, how I did it, what happened, and how to do it. So this is kind of a, one of the questions I want to ask you because possibly on my based on my story, but I don't want that to come from my ego. I want that to to come from a source where I want to teach someone something so we can deliver content. How people now we have like 800 people in the room. How someone can get in touch with you, with your team, with Mark Zuckerberg, with Elon Musk, with other people. How do small people can reach? By you? asking. Okay. The problem is the answer is no, 14,000 out of 14,001 times. That's it. Like, I'm more than happy to spend the next seven minutes explaining that, but I think most logical people with any basic education understand that's it. I mean, 9,000 people asked to do something with me in the last two hours yeah. on direct message, email, and Twitter. And they offered to pay you to do something. Oh, like, it's yeah, crazy. For, first of all, let's talk about it. Let's break it down. Actually, let's go there for once. 92% of those people asked in a bullshit way where they made it seem like they're trying to do something for me, but it's actually for them. Mm -hmm. My favorite people who are gonna pick me up at the airport and drive me to the hotel. Yeah. Yeah. You mean I'm gonna fly nine hours, I need 30 minutes to myself to catch mm -hmm. up, but what you really wanna do is pitch me your business or get something out of me or take a picture with me so you can leverage it on social media for just driving me? Yeah. People are selfish. Mm -hmm. The reason 14,000 out of 14,001 get a no is because of the 14,000 that ask Mark Cuban to do something for him or her, of the 14,000 people that ask Sarah Blakely or Beth Comstock for their time, 13,854 of them are selfish as fuck, mm -hmm. could give a fuck about Mark Cuban, Sarah Blakely, or Beth Comstock, and want something for themselves. So they're out. Because I promise you this, anybody at the top can smell it from a mile away. True. That's a very good answer. <laughs> no way to add. Okay, next one. We've got some time. I want to carry on, if you don't mind. Um, I got a lot of questions as well recently over the last few days and weeks when people found let me, out. Let me jump back yeah, you to the last question. Go on. Right. No, it's an important, because I've I'm never really expanded on it. You're asking one of the most successful people in what you aspire to, whether it's sport or education or medicine or entrepreneurship, you're yeah. asking somebody whose only asset is time. Yes. It is remarkable to me that I've achieved success to the place where I'd much rather write a $50,000 check to charity than give an hour to that charity of my time. Something I could have never imagined a decade ago. Time is the number one asset. I don't, I don't, like, this is the most time I've spent with my mom in the last year. I, like, time, there is no time. There's no time. There's no even time on this trip. We've spent no time together. So, yeah. so people are asking for time and access and a cosign and money and to leverage that person for fame. The reason everybody gets a no is because they're greedy and they're trying to take. How to do it the right way. Give without expectation. Mm -hmm. And and that and or get lucky. 
like when I say lucky, the, the odds of a one in 14,000 chance, I would argue is luck. Other people say it wasn't luck. You actually took the chance to email, you're right. I talk about perseverance. A lot of people email me once a day because I talk so much about perseverance. But I can see the evil in their approach. So it has no chance. The merit of it all, look, let's be very transparent. This is what's great about me, I forget everything that isn't great, but I don't recall what, but I definitely recall that even in our relationship there was something as it started, I don't remember exactly what happened, but I remember you being concerned that maybe you overstepped or yes, yes, I don't remember yes, there, what it was, there was something. but I know it was wrong. Yes. Like I know that it wasn't the right move. The good mm-hmm. news was- I had good intention, but I didn't know. And, and, and what it was was, I don't recall, but if you're asking me to recall, it was just, it, it, it happens to everybody. It's a lack of patience. It's a, it's a you're onto something and you wanna take the next step. What's the right timing to yeah, build on a relationship? The reason I have so many fancy friends and associates is I don't want anything from them ever and will Mm -hmm. never ask them for anything. Thus, I have the unlimited leverage. The reason so many people that that were above me continue to be above me in the scoring of like fame or wealth or access or power, the reason they're always drawn to me always and forever is I don't want anything from nobody always, forever, the end. There is no relationship, there's no friendship, there's no meeting that I want because I want something out of them. As a matter of fact, with the fanciest people, you know, I even think about whether, I'm not not gonna name drop, but I think about the people that I would score as like they're further along in the Q score of it all. I go into those meetings disproportionately trying to give them as much as I have. Further than you, yes? That's what you mean? Yeah, further than me. I just try to go there and deeply over deliver on what I bring to them, Mm -hmm. literally ask for nothing and fucking leave. I have an advantage because I have a skill right now in something that's very important, which is modern day communication that matters for everybody from you know number one to number one seven point seven yeah. billion. So I have something to give as well. Yes, that was a very good elaboration. Uh, I said something the other day. I have not been at a meeting or an event where I have not said a word in fifteen years, and it happened the other day. I was at a meeting with Eric Schmidt chairman of Google, at Google, with the president of Cuba. And, yeah, my mom's, yes. I didn't even tell, this is how my life I, works, I, I didn't even eyes. tell my mom. Like, so I was with the president of Cuba, and and we had having this meeting with like 10 people, and I had, nothing to, I had nothing to add to the conversation. In the situation that Cuba's in right now with the current administration in America where the embargo's back kind of on, and this and that, I was listening, and Airbnb and other Twitter were talking, I wanted to tell the story of my mom writing a book report when she was a kid about Cuba or Fidel Castro. I had it in my mind what was the appropriate thing to say, but it was so important to me that if you talk or you do something, you have something to bring. I, 99.99999% of the time, have that and put myself in a position to do that. Mm -hmm. This was, I was very excited leaving leaving Mm -hmm. Google the other day. I was like, wow, I really live by my thesis. I didn't say anything. I didn't need the attention. Mm-hmm. I feel like I always need the attention. I think that that's what I'm about. But I realized, yes, but not more than, I don't want to talk for the sake of talking. Mm-hmm. I don't need to self hear myself speak. I love it. I love myself. I love hearing myself speak. I love myself. I love hearing myself speak because I have something to say. Mm-hmm. I have value to bring. I know it's bringing value to the other person on this yeah. podcast, in this room, on that stage. I knew that I had nothing of value to say 
in that meeting the other day other than trying to make myself look good to the Cuban delegate, which could have then led to me doing some business there Mm -hmm. in the future. That was selfish. That didn't allow me to speak. That's why everybody gets a no. They don't have the ability to do that. Because on the way up, they're trying to grab at something. Yeah, that's a very good answer. And uh, I've learned a lot over the last few years. I appreciate that. Thank you, good answer. Uh, Another one, another question, please. Sure, Um, it's your podcast. (laughs) <laughs> as well, uh, um, yeah. What do you think? At, at what point? A lot of people that follow you, or a lot of business people, they start as freelancers in any field, whether it's writer, filmmaker, whatever. They start as a freelancer, usually with a part-time, full-time job. Then, at what point, if the business is going okay or okayish, should they either stay a freelancer or become a freelancer with a micro freelancing team, or get full-timers and open businesses? Like, do, do, do you know what I mean? Of course I know what you mean. Um, there's a lot of answers to that question. And we started this, I don't know if we, did we start this with self, yeah. We started this podcast with self-awareness. Mm-hmm. The answer is depending on your situation. Mm-hmm. If you're 21 and you have no expenses and you're living at home, you have to go high risk. As soon as you see any blood in the water, you go. If I'm 21 and I'm at home and I have no expenses and and I'm making 47,000 euros, pounds, dollars, doing something I don't love, but I wanna be a film person, and the first person pays me $1,500 or a dollar forever, and it works, and it went well, and she, the boss of this candy store, says, I'm gonna tell all my friends about you. I may jump right away. Mm -hmm. I don't have any concerns. If I'm 42 years old and I have three kids and a mortgage and I'm $100,000 in debt because I went to college in America and it didn't get me a good job yeah. and I'm an accountant and I make $137,000 a year which basically pays for my overhead, roughly, because I bought a house bigger than I needed, I bought a car bigger than I needed, this is cliche American, and somebody pays me $1,500 and they're like, I'm gonna tell all my friends, I'm gonna give up Netflix and my video games and my weekends to eventually get that to 60 or 70 or 80 or 90,000 a year before I say, okay, now I'm at 90, 137. If I actually went all in, I can close the gap on that 57,000. Yeah. Now I'm gonna make the jump because I have three fucking kids, I'm mortgage and debt. Every piece of my advice is circumstantial. Mm-hmm. What makes me vulnerable in producing pieces of content on the internet is it lacks context for every individual. Mm -hmm. The reason I produce so much content is the reason a piece of content may hit somebody different this time, next time, is because even the same person's life changes. Yeah, true. Yesterday, Aaron is 25 and single and living at home. Tomorrow, he meets Sheila, falls in love, and you know, a million things could happen. Sheila could be making a million dollars a year. Different life. True. Sheila could be making no money, but he loves her so much and she wants to buy handbags every day and now he has a bigger you know, financial problem. <laughs> Sheila wants to be his partner. Sheila, like, he wants to buy handbags. It's not cliche shit, it's life, it's contextual. And that's why the answer to your question is a million fucking things. But you jump when you can afford to drown. Yeah. You jump when you can afford to drown. What I mean by that is when you jump into the pool, you have to know that you've never swam before and you might drown. And you have to be able to do that when you can. And at 21, living at home, you can. Because you can go back and get a job, you have no overhead, right? But at 43 with three kids, you might not want to. And by the way, or you might. You might have such a supportive spouse 
Sheila, Aaron's the stay home dad. Sheila's making the 147. Sheila talks to Aaron and says, Aaron, I'm gonna die if I don't jump. I'm 43 and if I don't jump now, I'm gonna be 62 and regret it my whole life. So I'm gonna jump and if I fail and the economy collapses and I can't get a job, we may have to sell this home. We may have to move in with our parents in Florida. But I have to do that and take the loss in front of everybody's eyes that we're losers and we fucked up Mm. because I know myself and I know if I don't jump now, I'm gonna be miserable for 40 years that I was an accountant for my whole life. So, you know, these are very important conversations. These are layered conversations. These are deep, way deeper than what people talk about. And the reason I always talk about lately, because I finally fucking said, oh shit, the reason I want everybody to live the way I do, which is do not care what other people think, mm-hmm. once you go there, you're willing to jump. You're willing to drown. You're willing to move in with your 80-year-old parents and look like losers with your kids because you just don't care. I mean, it's so crazy to me. I, I know nobody will believe it. Not a person, maybe, maybe outside my mom, but it's even difficult to, what I'm about to say is even difficult to fully believe. It's crazy to me that where I am at this moment in my life, that the thought of making 84 bad mistakes in a row that caused me to have to move in with my parents and have my kids live in my, like to to think about the the level of unbelievable bad decisions that make no sense Mm -hmm. to get me to that place, it's scary to me how much that doesn't, like I basically go into like, well, it's cozy at my parents' house. Like, like it'll be cool that my kids get to spend that kind of time with yeah. their grandpa. Like, it's unbelievable to me because here's what will happen. What will happen is I will take an enormous amount of beating in the public. Like, what a fucking loser. He thought he was so cool. He was telling everybody else to do it and he fucking collapsed. Look at him. And all the people that don't like me because I'm suffocating their bullshit will be like, see? And all my fans will be devastated because their friends who don't like me be like, see, you fucking thought that guy was special. He's such a fucking loser. He lost everything. He lives with his parents. Mm. Here's the thing with me. I just won't hear it. I'll know it's happening. I'll hear it, meaning I'll read it, I'll hear it, but it won't penetrate me. You will let that to get into you. It just won't control me. What will happen is... I'll spend a good amount of time reconciling like how could this have even happened? And then I would go back out there and fucking win again. Oh my God, so much stuff. And uh, so, look, I, mean, so, I, re- I, want, I apologize because yeah. I want to get these questions in. I know we have other things, but well, this is very important talk because it's deeper in my thesis than I normally go because I want to give you something yes. for your first podcast to help you. This is me trying to help you. This is re- these are very nuanced aspects to what I'm talking about that people mm-hmm. don't talk about. The reason people aren't letting themselves get happy is because they value other people's opinions more than they value their happiness. They literally value their parents, their siblings, their best friends, and society's opinion more than their own happiness. They value, like, you live your life that you value other people's opinions more than being happy. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, when you think about that, truly. That is what the 99% of our world is thinking. People don't get divorces because they're worried about what people think that they got divorced and like they'll judge. People navigate their life on people's judgment. And what's interesting to me about people is in certain ways they're okay with being judged and in other ways they're not. In this category, I'm okay. But in that one, I'm not. In business, I'm okay. But in personal life, no. In relationships, I am, but not in marriage. In war, like, and so like 
if you can get to a place where nowhere, you become unstoppable. I'm, I feel like I'm so strong and unstoppable because every day, every year, every minute, every decade, I've been able to chip away at more insecurities and make them strengths. And many of those people are unhappy. Yes. Yes, and uh, th there is a reason why. Letting somebody else dictate your life mm -hmm. is immediate unhappiness. Mm -hmm. You're not in control. And that brings me to the very last topic or a question. There is a reason this podcast and the project is called uh, Producing Positivity, as well as my production company, because I truly believe, and you had a huge influence on that, that whatever we do, if we can share good things and positivity and help someone else, that's a good thing. So let's focus on that. And I know you talk about positivity so much, but there are certain topics that need to be repeated almost every day. Uh, what can a person do that is dwelling? We, we, we talk in a car about a situation that happened recently. Yes. And we're like, I said, like, let's not talk about that. He said, let's stop dwelling. Yes, there, there's no point. We cannot really control that. We can just do the best what we can out of it. Uh, so if there's someone s sitting, listening, uh, and whether this person comes from a very poor family, uh, Poland, Belarus, uh, whether there is an alcohol or drugs problem, or money, or maybe this guy is a guy from California who is a lot of, a lot of it, but it's still unhappy. Unhappy. Uh, what to do every day? How to build? How how to build consistency? Uh, yeah, I think there's a couple things that stand out to me that are practical. First of all, it's been really interesting. So many people get upset with me when I talk about nobody cares about your feelings, because they're like Gary, there's so much. Somebody tweeted today, Gary, there's so much injustice in the world. How can you say that to them? Fuck you. I'm like, yeah, that's cool. I, you're right, there's injustice. But there's injustice for everybody. Like meaning like everybody's got a fucking problem. Like you just don't know it. You just think the person with the Mercedes doesn't have a problem. You don't realize that their husband is beating them or, or infidelity or their mom hates them. Or there's a, the, the utter judgment, so a couple things. For some people it's worked because I've pushed to them that nobody cares. Mm -hmm. Nobody cares about your problems because they have their own problems. Mm -hmm. And that's worked for some people. Like literally some people have emailed me and they're like, my life has changed because you pounded to me that nobody yeah. gives a fuck, nobody cares. So I was like, fuck, if that's true, the hell am I complaining for? Yeah. And all of a sudden I stopped complaining and all of a sudden good shit started happening. Yeah. So that works. Uh, the other thing that I think works the most, the most, I think people have to drop people in their lives. I really do. I think people have to drop negativity out of their lives. I think people need to get divorced. I think people need to stop talking to their parents. I think people need to, I think kids need to stop talking to their folks, folks to their kids. Like, I just don't know what else to tell you. It's a very... Do you, do you think uh, dropping people is more important or as important as being around these five people that everyone talks about? Like dropping the bad guys is more important than going towards the good ones, if you know what I mean? I think, I think they work hand in hand. Both, 50-50. Of course, I think when you drop, you know, I think, I think, look, being around positivity and optimism and offense and practicality and ethics and good, it always makes you better. But being around negativity and dragging down always makes you worse. So to me, it's net score. You want to, you know, you don't like what I'm saying, and you don't want to drop your your dad uh, or mom or or wife or husband. Fine, then go out and find seven positive friends and reallocate your time. When I say drop, mm -hmm. drop comes in many forms. Drop comes in divorce. Drop comes in maybe you shouldn't hang out with them every hour. Yeah. Drop comes in with spending time with positive friends. You know, and listen, there's so many cliche things. This is so basic. There's only 33 things, 19 things, eight things that are happening in life. Negative people 
latch on to positive people and try to seclude them from the world because that's their energy. In work, I see it every day. In life, I see it every day. It's just what it is. So, positive, look, I can be positive for everybody. My flaw, my vulnerability, is I try to take on all emotional responsibility for everybody and everything, and it's what, but I have so much to give that it allows me to also control every situation. So like, we all have it, it's all obvious, but look, if you're unhappy, it's because you're spending too much time with unhappy people. And by the way, sometimes you're the unhappy person. Mm. And, and that person ends up lonely. Every time, always, the end. And I love that. I love that bad people end up lonely. Even people that are close to me, I love it. I think it's right, it's how life should be. It's merit, it plays out. Bad can only win for a certain period of time. Yeah. I genuinely believe that. It's proven. <sighs> Otherwise, humans wouldn't be here. I, I love how people are not smart. Guys, if bad wins, it would have been over a long time ago. Yeah. Hitler would have won. Correct. Genghis Khan would have won. The Ebola would have wiped us out. Bombs would have been dropped. We've had atomic bombs for 70 years. We have had the ability to wipe out the world for 70 years. Why hasn't it happened? Yeah. Humans are in, it's what pisses me off about terrorism. I hate the American propaganda of terrorism that everybody buys into. If terrorism was real, the way that it's sold, every day in London, Paris, and New York, people would take a van and drive into Times Square yeah. and around Buckingham Palace and kill 30 people. You can't stop it. My mom is here. The London you know, uh, train was searched for security. They keep checking our passport. She doesn't travel light. She really? says to me, oh, I like this, I like it. I, I, was, I was laughing. I'm like, mom, they're not saving you. What's, the, the, nobody's stopping anything. What's saving you is there's just not that much bad. Yeah. And for the couple that are bad, it's easy to stop them. And occasionally they get lucky. You're far more likely to die because somebody drinks and drives or texts and drives yeah. than you are a terrorist, terrorist fucking yeah, killing it's you. It's true. It's just these bad things that terrorists are, are, are blowing up in media it's and branding. TV and stuff. No, no, terrorists are good at branding. That's another conversation. It's, a, it's, it's the conversation, it's branding. Uh, Gary. Guys, fear and negativity is a very easy sale. It's called insurance. You know what kind of good business insurance is? Your house is gonna go on fire, so buy this. It's true. You know how much money is made selling fear? Fear is very easy. So let's focus on positivity. For me, and that's where all the good stuff is happening. That's why it's, you know, fear is a son of a bitch. Negativity is a son of a bitch, but it's only slightly beaten by positivity, and that's why this is all playing out, and it's very basic. But, and I want to say this, yeah. delusion is a big mistake. The reason, and I don't know anything about The Secret, but when The Secret got big, because Oprah put it on, I didn't read it, obviously, because I don't read, but what was interesting to me was there was people that interpreted it as, like, if I sit on my couch and I think that it will all, I'll get a million dollars, that they literally thought that that's how it worked. Mm -hmm. This is positivity only equaled by practicality. Yes. Practicality is everything. You have mm -hmm. to work. I wish people, like the biggest reason D-Rock and I started Daily V, I only started Daily V, so there was no confusion. Nobody believes me, to this day, nobody believes yeah. how hard I work and I show you and they still try to make pretend it's not real. And you wish you started that 10 years ago, yes? Just to show the very beginning. I wish, I wish people realize how little, 
Like I wish people saw every day of my 20s on a Saturday was in a liquor store. I wish. Your mom is nodding. I wish people knew. Because it's so easy to point now and say you're lucky or whatever. When you don't know the story, you don't know the story. The biggest reason I don't judge anybody else is because I'm judged so much. Gary, thank you very, very much. That's it? Yeah, that's it. I can, I can, we can talk for hours. Appreciate it. But I appreciate that. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Um, yeah. Um, don't know what to say. It's just, it's awesome, positive. Thank you. I appreciate big part of my life to you, uh, literally. Thank you. You got it. What a podcast. Uh, super, super flattered and humbled for your attention, trying to completely dominate and rock the podcast. I hope you're enjoying it. Another thing we're rocking is on every Monday, we send out a ridiculous email at GaryVaynerchuk.com. Go to GaryVaynerchuk.com, sign up for the email list. Uh, Not only are we putting original content, but a big strategy for me in 2018 is to disproportionately surprise and delight the email newsletter, a la, you know, I don't know, giving away 10 Porzingis signed jerseys randomly for the first 10 people that read the email that day or fly people in here or blah, 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 or VIP. If you're in Utah on the 13th, here's the front row of my speech. Not only am I crushing the content weekly on my email newsletter and I'm not, and I'm not, and I mean this, abusing it. We've been, by the way, I want to abuse it. I want to email every day right hooks, but I've been jabbing the fuck out of my email newsletter. If you're not part of it, you're fucking up. You're smart enough to be on the podcast, but if you're not on the email, you're not complete. Check it, GaryVaynerchuk.com.